Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Before we get into this, I'm going to go ahead and say that you may be hearing quite a bit of noise today in the background, or you may not, but there's a lot of construction going on outside of my apartment right now and just general noises that, again, when I'm recording, I don't know for sure if you can hear, but you know what? I thought about, hmm, maybe at some point I need to get a podcasting studio or a quieter space, and then I realized, like, this is my life. This is my real life. There are background noises and hopefully they're not too disruptive, but I, as we'll talk about today, I'm actually trying to move away from trying to be perfect with everything that I do. And this is the reality of my life is there are noises happening. There are interruptions and I try to be as close to reality with what I create as I possibly can. Of course, while still wanting to create something that is enjoyable to consume. That is kind of why I try not to edit out, you know, when I stumble over my words, which is often, or other moments that I'm getting better at it in terms of like having pauses in what I'm saying and not feeling like I need to edit all of those pauses out because it's natural. And I actually am trying to move more towards a more conversational tone in these episodes and part of that is we stumble over our words we have pauses we say um and like and I don't want to get to the point where I I feel as though this podcast this space my online presence in general is an obligation to the point where I'm not being myself and so yeah we're we're trying to push back and withdraw ourselves from the need to be perfect in this space. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Now, let's get into today's episode, which is all about the fear of embarrassment, the fear of being perceived as cringe. This has been a huge theme for me and based on the responses that I got from the anonymous submission for this episode, it's a big theme for many of you as well. Anytime I've talked about this online, it's a very popular topic, and I've also seen it a lot on my For You page on TikTok, and it's inspired me to kind of revisit the idea, give you kind of a an update on where I'm at with this theme of the fear of embarrassment, because the theme has played a prominent role in the past, in my evolution, but it's also been a big catalyst for my success is learning how to 
not overcome the fear of embarrassment because I think, as we'll talk about in the episode, I think it's a very primal, natural thing, but how to work with it, how to expand my threshold, how to still feel safe despite feeling that threat of being embarrassed, feeling cringy, etc. I don't ever expect that things like the fear of embarrassment or just fear in general will be completely removed from my life. It's how do I work with these things to continue to evolve and expand? How do I notice that I'm responding to the fear of embarrassment by kind of slinking away from that thing, making myself smaller? And then how do I recognize that behavior and basically do the opposite? And something I've talked about many times in this podcast is how I see opportunities like feeling the fear of embarrassment as a portal or an opening to try something new and what I how I kind of play around with that what that looks like is if I feel that sensation and I'm very familiar with what that sensation feels like in my body experimenting with how I respond to it and seeing if in that moment I feel comfortable enough to do the opposite of what my kind of fear-based response is wanting me to do, which is to avoid and turn in the opposite direction of whatever it is that I'm wanting to do. To kick off this conversation, I kind of wanted to understand a little bit further what exactly is the fear of embarrassment? What does that feel like? Why is it so prominent for some of us? And where does that come from? And my hypothesis, I've talked about this before, is as with a lot of these types of adaptations we make to our behavior and our personality and our identity, I think it's quite often rooted in a desire to be loved and to be accepted, or at the very least to not be judged or excluded by others. And so I think part of this conversation is about removing the shame that we may feel for having this fear. I think it's so natural. And I think the fact that so many of us feel it is a good sign that it's not like a personal flaw to fear embarrassment. It's a natural primal thing is what my hypothesis was. Because from having experienced it in various levels throughout my life, it always related to social experiences and not wanting to be judged or excluded. And so I kind of looked into it a little bit online and just validated this hypothesis. And I was reading this uh, chapter from a book called The Self-Conscious Emotions, Theory and Research. And it kind of talked about this premise that it's very much rooted in the desire for social approval and acceptance. And so the feeling of being embarrassed or even proactively fearing being embarrassed is a response to an event that may have an impact on people's perception of us. And this experience of cringing or even protecting ourselves from being embarrassed basically deters us from behaving in a way that will have implications on our social standing or status. But what I find really interesting is it's not just a mental experience, it's also a physical experience in that to our body, 
to our physiology, it actually can feel like a threat to our survival. And I find this interesting because when that fear is left unchecked, which for me, that was a lot of my life, I had this physical, emotional, mental response, and I didn't really question or check in with it, this sort of avoidance loop begins to build out our personality, our behavior, our identity. And so my experience is that for a long time, I felt very disconnected from myself because I wasn't really freely exploring my own identity, how I wanted to express myself, you know, going after what I wanted to go after and moving towards what I desired in life and how I wanted to express myself. I was actually really just responding to the potential embarrassment, that threat, responding to that threat by building my identity into something that I thought would never put me in that position. So through a combination of witnessing other people be embarrassed and then myself be embarrassed, I kind of picked up on these cues that, hey, that person did that thing and they were made fun of, they were judged. I better never do that because I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be made fun of or I'm the subject of being judged or being made fun of and I don't want to have that experience again. So it's understandable to not want to have that experience. I don't think anyone that I know at least, actually I'll only speak for myself, I don't look forward to the experience of being judged or made fun of or laughed at. I certainly do not look forward to that. And I, as I said, at various points, have avoided that to the point where it's almost maladaptive. I assume, I make assumptions about how other people will react, and then I don't allow myself to express myself in a certain way. And there's kind of two sides to this assumption, which is one the assumption may be incorrect that other people will judge me if I express myself. But two, even if it is correct, even if people do judge me, and this is kind of the more prominent part of this conversation today, is am I going to allow that to be the catalyst for the direction of my life or how I shape my identity? Am I going to allow the judgment of other people towards me for just expressing myself in the way that I desire to express myself to stop me from doing what I want to do and being the person that I want to be and doing what feels most natural to me. Because what I experienced a couple of years ago, after having recognized this buildup of adaptations that I had been making and, you know, the avoidance of certain experiences was that I was just so limited. I picture myself being in a box and just being ready to burst through it and just feeling so uncomfortable and anxious because nothing really felt true to me. It all felt avoidant and it all felt fear-based. And now that experience is more similar to my box. The box that I'm in is a lot more fluid, a lot more flexible, and occasionally I come into contact with an outer edge, an outer limit, but I feel a lot more comfortable moving past those outer limits. And 
it doesn't have to be the first time that I come into contact with that outer limit. So for example, if I recognize that, hey, I'm really avoiding this thing because I'm afraid I'm going to be embarrassed, it doesn't mean that in that moment, I immediately have to do that thing that I fear. I have learned to kind of accept that that fear-based nature and not always feel like the correct response for me is to push myself into that activity. I I know that there's a limit there and when it starts creating so much discomfort that I'm really shaping my identity around avoiding that thing, that's when I know that I need to kind of start to focus on that a little bit more. What I'm trying to articulate here is that the need to feel safe and the need to feel comfortable is a valid need and you know, flooding the nervous system is not always the best thing for me at least. And I learned this through exposure therapy with respect to panic attacks years ago when I was having really bad anxiety is there's a couple different ways to do it. But for me, an iterative approach was the most effective, meaning that I would slowly, slowly expose myself to the thing that I was anxious about. And with each iteration, I would feel that much more comfortable and confident. And I'd be able to kind of expand and expand a little bit more to the point where I was back to doing things that I had previously been unable to do without experiencing a great deal of anxiety, I was doing them no problem and I wasn't even thinking about it. So that's kind of the thing with the fear of embarrassment and the fear of being perceived as cringy is that I believe that that threshold only continues to grow the more that you expose yourself to it and you don't walk in the opposite direction. So going back to this idea of portals and experiencing that sensation of embarrassment or the fear of being embarrassed or the fear of being cringy and having an opportunity in that moment to pass through that that fear and to not allow it to dictate what your action is going to be provided that you feel safe doing the thing so let's say for example a good example of this for me last year was I tried a lot of new physical activities, a lot of new sports. I had previously really avoided this experience because I didn't want to look stupid and I didn't want to look like a beginner. And I just began to realize like this is taking away from my enjoyment of life, my inability to look like a beginner and to have just fun and to be playful in areas that maybe I'm not necessarily the most skilled at, but why have I decided that that is the most important thing to me. So I would, let's say a friend asks me to go play basketball as an example. And I experience this feeling, actually a better experience for me, because I feel like a lot of people can relate to this is dancing, because that for me is a more embarrassing experience than other sports for whatever reason. I think there's a vulnerability to it. And I think the greater the vulnerability, the higher the degree of embarrassment for me. So let's say, for example, my friend invites me to go to a dance class with her. And this is a real example because this has happened to me before. And in that moment, I experience like 
a rise of nervous energy. I quite often feel that in my chest. I feel like just nervous, honestly. And we can all probably know what those sensations feel like. Do I allow those nerves to inform what I do next, which is to say no to my friend? Or do I sit with them and say, okay, in this scenario, will I be safe? Will I be comfortable? Do I think that this would be a good opportunity to expand my threshold a little bit? And that for me is a portal because it's a new response to something that I previously would have said no to. And then when I have that experience, I go to the dance class, I see, hey, I'm actually okay. Sure, I may have been a little bit embarrassed with my skill and my competency, but I actually had fun. And that's an unexpected benefit. I had allowed the fear of embarrassment to consume so much of what I thought this experience would be that I didn't actually appreciate that, hey, this could be really fun and this could open the door to a new interest and a new hobby. I also really experienced this threshold kind of premise with social media because I remember back to when I first started posting on social media, like it would take a really long time for me to build up to just making one post. I would overthink it. I would have to get the caption perfect. I would have to make sure everything I was saying was perfectly articulated. And I was such a perfectionist with it. And I was also so scared of being perceived to slowly chipping away at that threshold, slowly expanding it. And now I I very rarely think about I very rarely have that reaction to even consider that it would be embarrassing to post on social media, that it would be embarrassing to be myself online. I very rarely have that experience, which is a testament to the fact that I probably couldn't have got to where I am now without actually doing what I was embarrassed to do. I couldn't just visualize myself being less embarrassed. I had to actually go out and do the thing that I was embarrassed to do, recognize it was okay, recognize I'm still here. I still have people in my life that love me. Sure, I have probably opened myself up to more judgment in doing this activity because now other people are able to see me doing this thing that I'm not great at. But is that going to stop me? And for a long time, it did. For a long time, I built my whole identity, as I've talked about many times on here before, around being cool, around having it all together, around, you know, never looking stupid, never just being goofy in public. And I realized that was kind of cutting off a huge part of my personality. I am a very goofy person. I do like being experimental. I do like trying new things. I actually don't deep down care that much about being a master of anything. If I'm being 100% honest, skill and mastery to me isn't really that important. I'm more interested in experimentation. I'm more interested in having fun, connecting with other people. And this is kind of another thing that I've noticed is when there's such an obsession for me with skill and mastery, I that experimental nature and that curiosity and that open-mindedness kind of goes away. And another aspect of the fear of embarrassment is kind of this need to be perfect, this perfectionism and this need to be good at things. And I 
I've thought before, like, why is that such a focal point for us? Why do we feel that mastery is like the end goal for everything that we do? To me, if I really were to unpack that idea, I think mastery and expertise and skill is a byproduct of repeatedly doing something that you enjoy. And I think anytime I put pressure on myself to be really good at something, to be perfect at something, it just, for lack of a better way of saying it, it just sucks the fun out of it. And I think that there are some domains in life that it's okay to have this type of mentality where we want to really master something or we want to become skillful at something. But I think when that's the focus for everything that we do, when we're not able to engage with a hobby or an activity without needing to be really good at it, we don't have some outlet in our life that we can just experience without that that pressure. I think that's when it becomes really limiting and it just isn't fun, at least from my perspective. Going back to what I was talking about, about dance and how for me that's been a big teacher honestly it sounds kind of cheesy but dancing has been a big teacher for me about my tendencies to adapt my expression based on the potential judgment of others so my friend and I for the past couple months we've been going to these ecstatic dance classes or sometimes people call them conscious dancing there are different names for it but essentially what the classes that we've been going to are I wouldn't even call it classes. They're just like sessions. You are in a room with a bunch of people and you are just dancing. There's a DJ. There's no instruction though. And there's no talking. So it's basically like being at a club, but you're sober and it's during the day and there's no substances involved. And the first time we went to that, like I was petrified. I was so embarrassed. I was very nervous and on a physical level it's it feels like you're just clamped up you don't know what to do with your body you just feel so stagnant and still and like clamped up is the best way I can describe it and I would observe other people I would watch them expressing themselves in this dance class and I would look around and I would see people just like freely moving their body smiling laughing looking joyful looking so at peace And then I would like compare that to how I was feeling and the way that I was avoiding just kind of letting loose. And I was like, okay, this is one way of navigating the world is the way that I feel right now, protecting myself, not wanting to be embarrassed. But I want to try what that person is doing. And I want to see what it's like to just be in my body, to do what feels good. And honestly, what it feels like in this room is it feels like you are in gym class when you're in primary school and everyone's just like running around like being crazy and being goofy and there's no structure and the more that I began to kind of experiment with that and play with my body and move my body and recognize when I would have this little mental narrative come up of like oh don't do that because that's kind of a weird movement I would instead of listening I would do the movement that I was afraid to do And then I'd be like, oh, I'm cool. Like, this is all good. And honestly, that has been such a profound experience. It's such a simple exercise, but it's very impactful. And since I've talked to people about, you know, would you ever try this, whatever, I have noticed that it's a very vulnerable thing for many people to be in that situation. And if you've never tried it, I think it's a really good 
opportunity to practice this in real time, to recognize the ways that we hold ourselves back from just at the very least moving our bodies, making noise even, like what we perceive to be weird or embarrassing in the space that I go to. It's like everything is fair game. People are making noises, people are laughing, people are singing, people are screaming, and it's very freeing to be in that space and to feel like I can just basically be myself, move my body, focus on how I want to express myself just in this moment, and I don't feel judged. And I've taken that experience and the lessons that I've learned from that into my life and recognized that I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is possible that people in that room are looking at each other and judging each other, but it's more important to me in those moments to focus on my own desire to move and express myself than it is to alter myself and kind of clam up based on the potential perception of someone else. Another important thing for me to remember always is that everyone's living in their own head. They're probably not even paying that much attention to me to begin with. And if they are, I'm not willing to let that probably fleeting moment of judgment stop me from doing what I want to do. The ultimate level of like self-acceptance for me is if I just express myself in a way that isn't hurting anybody, that is just genuinely what I feel is right and what I'm called to say or do or how I'm called to move my body. And that pushes people away, puts people off, makes people judge me. 
I'm willing to be okay with that. I have to be okay with that. It doesn't feel good by any means, but I think for me what the reality is that I've come to realize is that even when I'm creating this version of myself that is so small, so limited, that is avoiding embarrassment at all costs, people are still judging. They just are. Like we all do it. And so why would I why would I create this version of myself that is so unpleasant to experience and is so limiting and doesn't feel free at all only for people to still judge me if I could just be having a good time? Like that's where I'm coming from. And The last point that I'll leave it on before getting into some of your responses is I always consider what is the cost of how I'm choosing to avoid embarrassment. Sometimes the cost is low, like, oh, maybe I'm missing out on this activity, not the end of the world, but maybe it is the end of the world, you never know. Sometimes the cost is very high. And a good example of this is I was talking to a friend the other day She's really the only person in my personal life that I know that is also um, in a similar kind of career path that I am. And we were talking about how early on in our experience, the fear of judgment and the fear of embarrassment, let's say for being on social media, for trying to create content, because we all know that seeing someone try and seeing someone in the beginning phases of that journey feels very cringy. It feels very cringy when you're in it, I'll tell you that much. And we just talked about how the cost of allowing that potential judgment from others that, you know, you're trying to put yourself out there on social media, the cost of allowing that to stop you from doing that is the lifestyle that I've now been able to create because I didn't let that stop me. It is just too high to ever respond to that fear by stopping myself from expressing now this isn't sounding very coherent so let me kind of summarize what i mean had i allowed the fear of judgment the fear of embarrassment the fear of people from high school seeing my content online or my friends in real life seeing my content online and thinking that's kind of weird had i let that fear stop me from moving forward and stop me from posting and showing up online, I wouldn't be where I am now. And where I am now is a position that I could have only ever dreamt of. And I created a lifestyle that actually feels really good to me. And because I adore that, the life that I've created, it's, it's wild to think that I would have allowed something as simple as the potential judgment of someone else, which day-to-day probably wouldn't have even affected me or come into my awareness, I would have allowed that to stop me from moving towards it. And then every time I have that flood of sensation of fear of embarrassment, every time I have that, I have to remember, well, look at where I've come by not allowing that to stop me. And that's just been really powerful. And I honestly think that like we can say what we want about social media. I know it has its dark sides like anything, but it has been a very good teacher for me because it's like the ultimate fear for me of being seen, being seen trying, being seen failing, 
you're seeing my performance, you're seeing the numbers, everything is out in the open. And that is a position where the control that I previously had over my image, over my personality, over my identity is now far less. And so that is a constantly kind of exposure therapy experience for me. But it's helped me profoundly. Okay, so let's get into some of your responses to the anonymous submission, which I'll remind you the link is in the show notes for all episodes now. And I also post on my Instagram with prompts for the actual theme of the week. So you have the option of if you just randomly have a question about anything on the podcast or something you want to be discussed at some point, then you can use the submission link at any point. But also keep an eye out on my Instagram stories because that's where I'll share a prompt for an upcoming episode and you'll be able to actually share specific feedback. And I also just discovered that if you are a Spotify listener, I wasn't aware of this feature, but there's a Q&A feature at the bottom of every episode so you can share your thoughts there and I'm going to start to do my best to respond to those as well. Okay, so this person said, I feel comfortable doing my hobbies and interests, however different they may be, but where I become hesitant is to share them with other people, particularly on social media, which is sad because these are things that I'm excited or passionate about. Also, I love seeing other people's interests, so it's interesting that I have reservations when it comes to my own passions or achievements. This is really interesting. I assume in this response that you have a desire to share and a desire to post on social media about your hobbies and interests and I've been talking to a lot of people in my personal life about this because I have a theory that there are kind of two types of people when it comes to social media there's people who genuinely have no desire it's not like they love to consume other people's content and maybe share a little bit with their close friends about their personal life, but to share that to a broader audience genuinely is not a desire. And I think that's totally okay. But then I talked to a lot of people, um, and this is the category that I would have put myself in for a long time, who had the desire to post on social media, but just felt blocked or held back by this fear of being cringy or being embarrassed about it and if you find yourself in that second category maybe at some point I'll do a whole episode about this but I really do think it's worth playing around with that fear because it can be really fun and honestly at this point in you know where we're at with social media I think it is becoming a lot more normal for people to post on social media to make reels to make tiktoks I don't think it's this exclusive thing anymore that means that you're trying to be a content creator, an influencer, anything. I think just sharing in and of itself is very normal. And I think it can be really fun to connect with people online about your hobbies and people who share the same interests and access people that maybe you wouldn't be able to access without social media. So I think it's worth exploring. Hopefully there's something in this episode about you know what that might look like whether it's slowly building up to posting and doing that in iterations and seeing how that feels and opening it up more and more and just seeing where it goes without any pressure or expectation. I also 
have learned from experience that being honest about where you're at is really powerful and it can open up a lot more connection and that does require being vulnerable. So even if you created a social media channel dedicated to your hobbies and interests and you infuse this idea that, hey, I'm feeling really embarrassed right now. Like I feel very vulnerable sharing this. I'm new to social media. I've never posted or shared. I think just being honest sharing from where you're at and just speaking to that fear openly takes away a lot of the kind of power that it holds over you. So that's also something that I've experimented with before is just being like, hey, I feel X, but I'm doing this anyways. You're seeing me doing this anyways. Hopefully that helps you. I know it helps me. And the connection that that is unlocked and the expansion that that is unlocked for me has been really powerful as well. Okay, another person said, going on a solo trip this week and realizing I might not get any photos of myself. I have a mini tripod and can easily set it up on a bench or chair to take some photos in a museum or park in front of something pretty, but the idea of doing that and being perceived while doing that feels so embarrassing. I 100% agree, even doing this as a job, I still will be will try to be very secretive when I take photos, when I, you know, I'm taking videos. And what I try to remind myself is like, when I see someone else doing it, I'm not judging them. Why am I putting this pressure on myself to be so secretive about it? And I have been so glad the times that I've just let that go and gotten a little bit of footage or gotten a little picture because I really appreciate those things after. And yeah, I do think, again, that's kind of a form of exposure therapy is like, hey, I'm going to put my tripod right here. People are going to see it. People are going to walk by. But I always remind myself, again, when I see people like with a big tripod, just setting it up and like going in the middle of people and just going for it, I am so, I'm actually like proud of those people and I'm not judging them. So I think that really helps me as a reminder. And I really hope that you get some really nice photos and I'd love to see them from your trip. So maybe that'll be a little accountability thing, even though I don't know who this is because they're anonymous. Um, okay, let's read another one. Another person said, I'm scared of creating art in brackets, drawing, painting, singing, because I'm not that good at it. And I feel like it's cringy for me to openly have that identity when my art is quote bad. Wow. That is something that I can really relate to and I would challenge this idea that your art is bad. I think that art is so subjective. I think that it's perfect to where you are at. It's a perfect expression of where you're at in your art journey and I think trying to remove some of the judgment that you have towards it and almost look at it as like a child, like it's in its infancy and you wouldn't look at something that is growing and look at its initial phase and be like, that's bad. It's just the beginning. And to remove some of the value judgment that we have towards the beginning of something, I think is really important. I know that is the case for me with sports, with new activities, with things like you're saying, art, to not look at the beginning phases as bad. It's a growth. It's it's an evolution and to learn to enjoy 
that beginning part. For me, to be a beginner now is something that I love and to take the pressure off myself to be good. This actually reminds me of, I was working at a camp a few years ago and this group came in and they put on this this event where they purposely, it was called like a bad talent show. So you had to do a talent that you were quote bad at or that you weren't masterful at or you were new to. And that to me is like the best, most fun idea to just take away the pressure to be good. We, again, I don't really understand why that pressure exists. It's just, it takes away from our exploration of so many things. And I just thought that talent show was such a good idea. So I try to remember that being in the beginning phases of something and doing something that you don't feel masterful or skillful at can be really fun when you withdraw yourself from that competition to be the best. Wow, I love this submission. This person said that they're embarrassed admitting to other people my viewpoints in life were wrong or have evolved in a specific area. Not because I'm afraid to admit it, but because I fear that they still see me like I was back then and that I didn't really change. I, first of all, I love this response. It's such an like a unique take on the fear of embarrassment is the fear of being seen evolving and being willing to say that a viewpoint that we've had has now evolved, that maybe we said something that we feel differently about now. And we feel like we have to put on this front of like always being sure about everything and always being certain about everything. And I've talked to my family a lot about this idea of not just with viewpoints, but with expression, identity and expression is it can feel really limiting and confining when you suspect that other people are holding you to a former version of yourself. And that includes your viewpoints and your beliefs. And it's not fun to say, Hey, like, this is how I feel. And someone says, well, you didn't feel that way a couple years ago. So what's that about? I think we need to start celebrating both within ourselves and others the evolution of our identities, the evolution of our beliefs, the acceptance that with new information we can expand our idea of reality and what's possible and certain situations, what we believe to be true about certain situations and to not always feel like we have to be perfect in our belief system and in our viewpoints because with new information comes the evolution of those viewpoints. But if we're trying to put on this front that we know everything and we are consistent in everything that we feel and believe and our identity, we kind of don't allow ourselves to evolve and don't allow ourselves to respond to new information. And so I definitely think that that is a worthwhile thing to move through is this fear of embarrassment that, hey, I said something or I had a certain viewpoint that I no longer hold or it's evolved. I know I feel that all the time, especially with this podcast. And we talked about this last week about not getting the ick towards former versions of yourself and just recognizing like, listen, this is how I felt with this amount of information. I've evolved and here's how I feel now. I know that how I feel now will evolve. And, you know, I look back on some of my perspectives on manifestation and other topics that we've discussed here and I'm like oh my gosh like that has changed so much the tendency is to try to hide the way I used to feel but this is 
you're seeing the evolution and I want to normalize that evolution and I want to normalize being like, hey, I've changed my mind about this and that's okay. So I appreciate that this person brought that up and provided me with that opportunity to reflect on that as well. Another person said that they're embarrassed to start roller skating by themselves. Another one, I want to make cute, I want to make more cute TikToks, but I cringe at myself. Yes. Interesting, a lot of people talking about social media, I feel like that could be its own episode. So maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. Another person said going in public alone, especially to the grocery store. I think it's mostly anxiety, but I also greatly fear about embarrassing myself when I go into any public setting, even if it's just something as simple as pushing my own shopping cart. I can relate. I used to have a huge fear of being alone in public and like certain things like I would not do. I would not want to ask someone for directions. I wouldn't want to like start walking down a certain street and then realize I was walking the wrong way and turn around. Like, I know that sounds silly, but I would just keep walking in the direction, even if it was the wrong direction. I wouldn't want to run for a bus. I wouldn't want to, like, I just, I think I wanted to have an appearance when I was alone in public that I knew everything, that I was like solid. And I would never want to be perceived as like helpless or unsure of myself, if that makes sense, which meant that I avoided public spaces by myself a lot and I always needed to be with someone. And what I will say is, There is a lot on this podcast and on my social media about overcoming that fear. I don't know if I've ever done an episode about like being alone, but I've definitely talked about being your own best friend and that has been so nice and now I actually really love being alone and I don't fear being alone in public. So I've been where you are and just know that it's possible to begin to actually really enjoy and even sometimes look forward to it. I tend to now like romanticize those experiences. I love putting on a fun playlist and making it a whole experience. So yeah, I definitely relate to that, but I'm excited to see that journey unfold and learning to love your alone time is so beautiful. Okay, last one. This person said, for some reason, I feel like it's embarrassing to try as if someone would look at me and go, who does she think she is? What does she think she's doing? Because that's what the voice in my head tells me. This has held me back from so much, especially in exercise slash sports, since I've always been very small, I've come to be affected by a stereotype threat, which is a kind of imposter syndrome where you start to believe the stereotypes that may be associated with you, which in turn affects your self-image. I practice Muay Thai, which is a martial art, and I'd love to compete in it, but because of these factors, I am embarrassed to try harder. I'm tired of it, though. Hope this episode can lead some... Sorry. Hope this episode can lead to some nice insights. Thank you for feeling make oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel less lonely. Okay, wow. First of all, if you haven't already, I posted an episode I think it was called Why Are We Embarrassed to Be Seen Trying? And that speaks to what you're talking about. I've never heard of stereotype threat, but that's a really interesting concept. And I can totally see how that would stop you from trying. And I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like to see someone really going for something, especially when they're not quite at a level of mastery, to see someone really trying is something that for some reason, I think many of us feel embarrassed to do. And we want to shield that embarrassment by saying like, well, I wasn't even trying anyway, so it's okay. And, you know, I've noticed even in my behavior preemptively, 
having to explain like, oh, I'm really bad at this. So like, don't expect a lot from me. And what would it mean to just really go for something and not feel like we have to explain our way out of it or to apologize for really just trying. And yeah, the fear of being seen trying is a real fear. I would really highly recommend that episode. And I really admire your self-awareness and I really hope that you do compete and that it sounds like you kind of know where you're at which I think is like really important and hopefully you did find something in this episode that helps because I really do feel that a lot of people would relate to your experience and who knows if you have any interest in social media maybe you could even share your journey okay I think that brings us to the end of this episode really lovely conversation really lovely submissions I I'm really enjoying this format. I hope you are too. Would love to hear your feedback on it. And again, feel free to use those anonymous submissions and those Q&A things if you're using Spotify because I love to hear from you and I love to be connected. And yeah, that will be it for today. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you in the next episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.